Welcome to Murder by Nature, where we discuss true crime, mystery disappearances, and unsolved cases. I am your host, Jasmine Hernandez. So as we dive into this episode, this was a recommendation by one of my coworkers. They listened to this story just recently, and it was a story that they've never heard. And when I dived into it, I've never heard of this case. And it is five years running that the suspect still has not been caught and on the run. So I thought, why not share it? Because if I haven't heard of this and I listen to a lot of true crime, I'm guessing it's not something that's widely known. It did happen in Idaho. So I'm sure if you are native to Idaho or around that area, you guys probably all heard about this. I'm in Southern California and this never reached my doorstep. As we dive into this, there's a ton of references, a ton of different things. It, it's a It's a lot. So we'll go into all of that. But before we jump in, I'm going to dive into a little bit of what's going on with our life. So we have our first official game of football this week. It'll be interesting. It's going to be a long day. So between football and work and this, I am recording this episode on Friday at 9.45 p.m. And it's going to be released at 9 a.m. on Saturday while I'm already at the field. So thank you guys all for listening. I try and make sure that we get these episodes out to you because I know that you guys are coming back and watching them and listening to them. And I see all the analytics of everyone from all around diving into these every single week. There's this one that's from Northern California, Fairfield, and they've listened every single week. The first day I released my episode since episode one. And I think that is the coolest thing. So if that's you... I'm watching. I see you. I just think it is so awesome. So I want to make sure that we're keeping these episodes going every week, even if I have to stay up super late to get them recorded for you guys, because you guys are counting on me to listen to them on Saturdays. So as we dive into these, we're going to go through the references and I am going to leave a description of the suspect down at the very end with information on how to contact local law enforcement if you have any tips that they may need our help with this case. Again, this is an open investigation still. The suspect is still at large for the last five years before anything has happened or anything, any new information, which is unnerving. But at the same time, as we go through this episode, there's other theories on what could be going on too. So we are going to dive into our references. We have realtor.com. We have daily mail. We have sltrib.com, People Magazine, Idaho News, The Cinematic, uh, Medium.com, The Daily Beast, Heavy.com, Crime Theories Podcast, Viral Nova, Facebook, Rettberg, Standard Magazine, and Investigation Discovery. Natalia Medley was 44 years old, and she lived for her teenage daughter, Peyton. She only wanted what was best for her daughter, and she was doing everything she could to make ends meet and provide for her daughter after her husband, Todd, died of a heart attack on August 30th, 2014. Natalia and her former husband had worked together at a pet store in Ogden before he died, and that's when she decided to change career paths. She was going to become a massage therapist and also get into other healing things such as crystals, kombucha drinks, and all of that to the point of even selling such on the side to promote a more healthy lifestyle. 
One day in 2015, Natalia's life would change forever when she met Gerard Michael Bollinger. He was a striking man and walked into the massage therapist for a massage. But he's going to go by Gerald and Michael. I'm not going to really refer to him as his last name, but he went by both. Because when he was dating Natalia, he was Michael. But when he had other things in life going, he was Gerald. So I'm going to refer to him as both. He had a presence and a great personality, and he was someone that Natalia was instantly attracted to. Gerald seemed to have his life together. He was working for a private pilot for clients and flying all around the country. He claimed to be a divorcee of 10 years and a Mormon from Montana. The attraction between them was undeniable, and not only did the chemistry continue to grow, so did their relationship. It is said that as time went on, he went out of his way to take Natalia and her daughter on dinners, on hikes, to any event that they could spend time together and create memories. It is even said that Peyton became so close to him that she started calling him dad. During one of their hikes, Gerald taught Peyton how to shoot, and then they would later play around the ground wrestling. You will be able to see this on Natalia's Facebook Um But as you go over there, please be mindful that this is still someone's family and they still have feelings and thoughts towards all of this. There's a lot of hateful speech on her Facebook right now. So let's not add to that. Natalie had told friends that no matter how close they were during these outings, it was never the same in the bedroom. Even though they lived very close together, they lived less than five minutes away from each other. They never slept over at each other's houses and never really went to each other's houses. At one point, Nadlia asked Gerald for help with her mortgage. She was falling behind and she needed some assistance. And she thought, we're partners, you can help me. He ignored her for the first two times. And at the third time that she asked, he said that the relationship was moving too fast and that he just couldn't do it anymore. It wasn't his responsibility to be taking care of her. Natalia told her friends that she once ended up checking his paycheck, which came out to be $10,000 a month. The argument over money later led to a brief separation. And two weeks later, Natalia shared Mike's text to friends. He was telling her that the separation wasn't best for him and he can no longer stay apart from her. So, I mean, I have some thoughts on that. Like, if they're not married, they're not living together, and they're just boyfriend and girlfriend, I personally don't think that he's required to help her with her mortgage, but that's just me. Me and my fiancé split everything right down the middle, so that's just my thought process. Due to work, Gerald was frequently out of town, and when he was home, the the fonding and love was unmatched, they would say. After almost two years, Gerald and Nadia decided it was time to move in together. Gerald had recently moved from Utah to a house at 216 South, I'm not going to say the street, in Catterwell on May 3rd, 2017. Gerald wanted to make their life permanent, and Natalie was on board. It was a beautiful open field, a ranch. She had horses, dogs, rats, and so much more. So she was super excited, and they thought that this was going to be the happy ever after that they were waiting for. Cheryl Baker was born on September 6, 1960, in Detroit, Michigan, to Harold Leroy and Doris Baker. Both of her parents were teachers, so it was no surprise that Cheryl would follow in their footsteps. She had two brothers, Brian and Lytle, and a sister named Joy. When Cheryl got older, she rode in the Michigan Statewide Bicycle Tour with her father, and they made it a family tradition. Some of Cheryl's experiences growing up included swimming with dolphins in the Bahamas, swimming with turtles in Florida, rafting in the Great Grand Canyon, 
summer trips to India, and cruises to Alaska. She was a lifeguard as a teenager, and based on her experience, she loved the water. After graduating college in 1984, Cheryl started working at the Utah Schools for the Deaf and Blind. During those years of teaching, she decided to return back to college to get her master's degree in education. And when she was working for the school and deaf children, she met someone special. Now, you're probably wondering, who is Cheryl? Why did you switch to another girl? And I'm going to tell you, Cheryl met Mike at a lovely airport in Alaska. He was a contract pilot and he was on the plane heading for Alaska. His charming ways got her attention and they were later married in Park City. And this was Cheryl's first marriage. This was Mike's third marriage. Cheryl was very electric with hobbies like meditation and crochet. And on one hand, Mike liked riding his motorcycle, shooting and collecting guns, flying planes, Even though they had this huge difference in their hobbies, they both loved the outdoors and camping. Cheryl retired in 2016 to teach art at Greenwood Charter School in Huntsville, which was close to Ogden, Utah. In 2014, the couple purchased a farmhouse near Catawell, Idaho, under Cheryl's name. Gerald told his wife that he was going to move up there early to fix up the farmhouse while she was packing the house in Ogden. Cheryl Baker bought her Ogden home before meeting and marrying Gerald, and the two borrowed money from the property to pay for the Idaho farmhouse. But while the couple was making this move because Gerald got a job for a pilot flying out of Boise, and it was 25 minutes away from where the farmhouse was, and Cheryl decided, okay, cool, you go up, fix it up, and needed some renovations done to it. But little did she know, while she was packing... Gerald was helping Natalie Medley and her daughter move in with their belongings and pets to the Idaho house. Neither Natalie or Peyton knew that he was married, and it is theorized that Cheryl went up there to go surprise her husband, and that's when they found out the truth. So that may have gotten a little confusing, but Cheryl was Mike or Gerald's wife, and they were married for quite some time. But he was also with Natalie. And the two never knew, which I feel like isn't very uncommon. It's probably very common in these situations. But none of them knew about one another. On the weekend of June 9th, 2017, Natalie was supposed to make a trip back to Utah to pick up her horses. But she never showed up. Not only did she not make it, but she wasn't accepting or returning phone calls. On June 11th, her her friends called the police to notify them that she isn't answering her calls. She kept calling the police like her friend did and hounding them because they didn't really care. They're like, oh, who cares? She's not answering her phone. But finally, on June 19th, 10 days later, they looked at the Catawell property. Canyon County Sheriff Duane said that when the deputy arrived at the location, he can smell foul odor coming from the shed the minute he got there. And then a large number of flies were in the area. When he opened the door, he can see through the door that there was a blue tarp over something, and he made his entry. When the deputy moves a little bit closer, according to the sheriff, he realizes that they have multiple dead bodies. As more investigators arrive on the scene, they found the bodies of three people and three dogs. All have been murdered. 
Initially, the investigator said it was too hard to determine the sex or the race of the victims or even how they died. And as the investigation continued, Sheriff Duhan and his team determined that each victim and all three dogs were shot execution style to the head. As investigators continued to search the property, they ended up pulling dental records for the three bodies. The coroner was able to identify all three bodies as Cheryl Baker, Natalie Medley, and Peyton Medley. They were all shot to death. No one knows exactly what happened or the events that led up to any of this, except Gerald. He was there, or they thought he was there. He was missing at this time. And based on the estimate by the coroner, it was believed that the murders occurred on June 8th or June 9th. Deputy U.S. Marshal Travis Hemke immediately got involved with the case. They knew Gerald Bollinger stayed in Idaho for at least 24 hours. The next morning on June 10th, he went to breakfast at Napa, Idaho, the next town over. And it wasn't long after that breakfast that he made his way back to Utah. Gerald went to Utah, picked up his wife's car that was being serviced at the car dealership and ditched his truck. He stopped by his house and talked to the neighbors and asked if they seen Cheryl. He, he hasn't seen her. Did you guys see her? We have a trip planned. And then he drove five hours to Bridgerton National Forest on June 11th. I'm going to pause really fast. We have heavy rain coming down, so if you hear that, I'm so sorry. It's in the background. The investigation quickly spread across multiple states, including Idaho, where the bodies were found, Wyoming, where the car was found, and Utah, where he used to live before he moved to Idaho. His wife's Ford Focus was found abandoned in the Bridgerton National State Forest in a remote campground near Morin, Wyoming, on July 12, 2017. A week later, Bowenville County Sheriff's deputy responded to a sighting of him, but there was no signs of him when they got there. Investigators initially searched the entire National Forest area extensively when his car was found in 2017. They used police dogs, helicopters, infrared technology, but nothing ever came up. The year after, they did search and rescue and had caviar dogs out and went and looked in the forest for any signs of maybe his remains, maybe he killed himself. They had no idea. He just vanished and nothing was found. From what investigators gathered, Gerald and Cheryl were married for five years before he met and began dating Nadia. He apparently pulled off a double life because the home he shared with Cheryl was eight miles away from Nadia's. The Idaho State spokesman said that his first wife, Jackie Garcia, and others knew him. They reported that he had a long history of lying, being manipulative, infidelity, and violence. His ex-wife told the publication that she feared he would kill her at one point. Investigators considered the possibility that he may be dead, and they're just hoping that one day he shows up. All of this doesn't seem like it's enough. Like, this is like, oh my God, like, this that's a lot, right? Well, there's more. There's so much more to Mike. He was a dimpled young man when Jackie met him, and... Her beauty caught his eye in 1970. They were both freshmen at Birmingham Young University in Idaho. Mike was a fellow Later Day Saint member and served his mission in 1976. He married Jackie at the Salt Lake City LDS Temple in 1978. Their 10-year marriage was not a happy one, though. Mike was described as selfish, dishonest, violent, and a sociopath. 
Jackie sought out help from the LDS church in Billings, Montana, because Mike had been hitting her during arguments. She honestly did what was best in her situation by seeking couples counseling, therapy, and any help from Mike's family. But even though she did everything right and continued to try and get help, no one believed her. No one believed that Mike would be so violent. He was so sweet. One of their two children later told Jackie that his dad had abused him on at least one association. Mike cheated, he lied, he was abusive and manipulative through the entire marriage. Now, his marriage to Jackie ended in 1988, but he married his second wife shortly after. His second marriage was to a woman that he had an affair with while he was married to Jackie. And according to Jackie, his second marriage was a repeat of abuse all over again. And to no one's surprise, that second marriage ended as well. And he later married his third wife, Cheryl Baker. Mike was a serial cheater, and Cheryl was the mistress that he had while he was with his second wife. So I don't know if you're picking up, but it seems like when he's done with a relationship, he just finds someone else, starts dating them, and eventually that marriage fizzles out, which is what I feel like Nadia was for him. He was sick of the marriage with Cheryl, even though they seemed so happy to everyone else. And he started dating her and moving on with this life. And Cheryl found out. A lot of people speculate that Mike wanted to get the house in Idaho and leave Cheryl in Ogden and move with Natalia and Peyton and have this lovely, beautiful life. But he couldn't get the house financed by himself, which is why Cheryl ended up buying the house solely and used the money that she had from her other house for this one. But that's just speculation. No one really knows because all three of them are dead, and Mike is still not found. Since the murders, hundreds of tips have came in regarding his possible whereabouts. In the last year, several more came through from Crime Stoppers, and after the case was featured on In Pursuit with John Walsh, it is said that if Mike is dead, police believe that he's outside the search area, which spans several miles of the Pacific Creek drainage in the National Forest. The National Forest has more than 3.4 million acres of public land. The area has a lot of wolves, coyotes, grizzly bears, and it's said that the county sheriff hoped that at the start of hunting season that they would bring some clues. Maybe someone would find him, maybe an animal could find him, anything. They heavily infiltrated the area, but nothing ever turned out from it. Now, Gerald Mike Bollinger is described as a 6'1", 140 pounds, gray hair, brown eyes. Um, it said that if he is seen to please contact the Canyon Country Sheriff's Department at 1-208-454-7531. So I'm going to say that again because I know I messed that up. 208-454-7531. Again, he has aged since then. It has been five years since these murders have happened and he is nowhere to be found. There are some theories that maybe he came in one area and went out the other area. In the podcast and in the, the episode on that case in pursuit with John Walsh, it is said that he was an experienced um, hiker. He loved the outdoors. Cheryl loved the outdoors. So he knew what he was doing. But people that did see him out that day said that he had no water. He had no supplies. They have no idea how he was going to survive. But his ex-wife, Jackie, said that there's no way that he would have killed himself. He was too narcissistic to just take it out. He didn't care. He wouldn't have had any remorse for what he did. 
but no one knows. He's never been found. My theory after reading everything, I think he went up there, got lost, and came out the other end. And I think he's living a life somewhere else because with his history and repeat of the cheating, of everything else, the abuse, I don't see him just, all right, I'm done and killing himself. I don't see that, but that's a theory for everyone to speculate. Now, that brings us to the end of this episode. This is a shorter episode, but it's one that I wanted to get out because this is five years past the murder, and I want to just put it out there in case anyone has seen this man, anyone knows this man, or they just have a speculation that maybe they ran into him to get that out, to get Cheryl and Peyton and Natalia's family some closure from this. It is said that uh, Peyton's uncle ended up getting in contact with Peyton and Nadia right before they were murdered. And he was trying to build this relationship with them. But he feels like it was cut short due to some selfish nature. And no one understands how. Like, <laughs> this guy was about to move his wife and his girlfriend into the same house. How did he not think he was going to get caught? Maybe he wanted to get caught. I don't know. That's, that is trippy, man. Well... That really brings us to the end of this episode. As always, thank you for listening to Murder by Nature. If you enjoyed our show, please rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any streaming platform that you're currently on. And be sure to come back next Saturday for our new episode. Until then, I am your host, Jasmine Hernandez. Don't forget to stay safe. Don't get murdered or murder people, you lovely humans. Have a happy Saturday.